0: I just happened to ask the question of Sarah Nuremberg, one of the producers. I said, you know, I don't really do archival films. If you know my films, archival films aren't normally what I do. Is, is there any young person he's, you know, talking to, maybe advising or being a mentor to? There's a young girl in Arkansas who's going around performing as Bill Baird. I said, What? She goes around and perf- competes as Bill Baird. I went, I'll do this film on one condition you agree to film all of the Jada stuff.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the director's cut. Brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. In this episode, we explore the journey of a reproductive rights pioneer in director Rebecca Camisa's biographical documentary, Yours in Freedom, Bill Baird. Screened as part of the DGA's documentary series, the film tells the true story of Bill Baird, the unsung hero of the birth control battle, who gave up everything his family, his livelihood, and his freedom in pursuit of women's rights. In addition to Yours and Freedom, Bill Baird, Camisa's other directorial credits include the documentary features Atomic Homefront, Which Way Home, and Sister Helen, episodes of the series Film School, the short film Sunset Tuxedo, and the short documentary God is the Bigger Elvis. Following the documentary series screening of the film at the DGA Theater in New York, Camisa spoke with director Tia Lesson about filming Yours and Freedom, Bill Baird. Bill Baird and his wife, Joni, were also in attendance, and contributed to the discussion as well. Listen on for their conversation.
2: I mean, congratulations. This was extraordinary and masterfully made. Um, And yes, I came across that clip as I was making The Janes um, for HBO, and it Ended up on the cutting room floor, but it was such an extraordinary... First of all, I hadn't heard of Bill Baird. So this was my introduction to him, and it was such an extraordinary, passionate, um, uh, uh, I think... it was a, it was something so passionate that it actually sort of undercut the women of Jane. So we couldn't include it because we were wishing that they we had footage of them in that moment speaking out against the Catholic Church. Um, but tell me, you started this film, Abortion Was Legal in 50 States, right? In 20, 2017, 2018?
0: Well, the one thing we share, typical Americans, right? We don't know our own history. So first off... Um, I didn't know about Bill Baird at all. Sorry, Bill, didn't know about you. Um, And strangely enough, um, Michael's here tonight from Terra Mater, the production company. They came and asked me to make a film about Bill Baird, to which I said, who? So an Austrian production company is educating an American about her own history, so it actually came from Klaus and from Terramater. So I was asked to make this film. I had no idea about Bill. But, like, you and I shared this. We didn't know about Bill, right? That's
2: right. No. Yeah.
0: So a, a major part of our education about the history of women's rights has kind of been kept from us. Erased. S- Erased. So making this film was really a, a true discovery. Like every single thing was, oh, what? Oh, I didn't know it. That's what it was the whole time. And strangely enough, Tia uh, contacted me and said, oh, we have a clip of Bill Baird. You may want to use it. And I looked at it and it, we didn't have it. And it's in the film, so thank you for that.
2: Oh, you're very welcome.
0: It's when he says some church thinks it has a straight, direct communication to God. That's the one, and that's the one that you provided us. So thank you.
2: You know, it occurs to me that you know, as you're making this film, you're seeing a steady erosion of abortion rights. Um, but you you began when abortion was legal in 50 states, and here we are today, illegal in 14 states. Um, banned at six weeks. So essentially legal in, in 16 States. Um, there are seven other States that have bans that are, are being litigated in the court. Um, how did this influence this trajectory influence and inform your making of the film?
0: Well, everything was a discovery, but I think it's more insidious than that. Did you read the article today about Youngkin? I think in Virginia now he's figuring they realize they're losing the votes. So now they're deciding, oh, we'll make it a 15-week ban, not a, not a, well, that, so they're trying to now rewrite it to make it more palatable. But it's, I'm not, I will say the one thing that kept me going in this film was not abortion nor birth control at all. It was the right to privacy. They start off with one thing, and then they're going to grab another And then they're going to grab another and another and another. And so what really, and it's why we start the film the way we did. And by the way, Sebastian Jones, phenomenal editor, fantastic. He really wrestled a hedra. Um, It's, 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 they're going to take this and then they're going to get beholden. They're going to take another, then they're going to take another and they're going to take a right and another right. So I'm not really
2: thinking just about abortion it's bigger than that. Well, yeah, neither are they. I mean, actually, Clarence Thomas telegraphed that in his dissenting opinion, right? He said, "We're you know yep. why not go at the sky's the limit? We've got marriage equality, we've got sodomy laws, we've got in his um, dog's birth decision,
0: control. he mentioned Eisenstadt v. Baird. If you reread his concurring opinion, concurring, right? He mentions Eisenstadt v. Baird and others.
2: So. Tell me about your decision to follow Jada and how, you know, I, I assume you found her through Bill. Well, no. The,
0: the strange thing was that when Tara Matter first came and said, you know, would you like to make this film? You know, they were telling me about Bill, but I thought there's Bill, but you know, what about the relevance of a younger generation? And I just happened to ask the question of Sarah Nuremberg, one of the producers, I said, Well, is there, you know, I don't really do archival films. If you know my films, archival films aren't normally what I do. Uh, I'm always thinking about the now, verite, you know, what's happening now. And um, I said, is, is there any young person he's, you know, talking to, maybe advising or being a mentor to? And she goes, well, that's strange. There's a young girl in Arkansas who's going around performing as Bill Baird. I said, what? Oh, yeah, she just contacted him. She goes around and competes as Bill Barrett. I went, okay, I'll do this film on one condition. Do you remember, Michael? I'll do this film on one condition. You agree to film all of the Jada stuff. Like, we've got to have a contraceptive buddy film. Like, that was what came into my head. I went, this is a contraceptive buddy film.
1: (laughs)
2: Well, I mean it's amazing because it's it's this beautiful intergenerational dialogue that's happening um between Bill and Jada in a in a in a very powerful way. Not only is she being affected by by him, but he's certainly being affected by by her in terms of like having some hope and and in you know as we as we move ahead. Um so I, I I thought that was really lovely touch. And she was good, right? I mean, yeah. she was excellent.
0: Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, if Bill was 50, let's think, of, let's just do the math. If Bill was 50 years ahead of his time, then his generation is really Jada, not the generation he came from, right? Because he and she, they shared the same, when, when we would see them together, they just were, it was like they came from the same generation. And of course, Bill would naturally fit with Jada because she's the She's the generation of now, and Bill was ahead of his time. So he definitely is in groove with this generation. You know, we don't think of it that way because we're so... But I think they're... I consider Bill and Jada both part of the same
2: mindset and generation, even and
0: though that's not mathematically
2: accurate. I love that she's from Arkansas. We don't hear those voices.
0: You no, know, they mentioned often. she
2: was from Arkansas, and I went, you're kidding.
0: <laughs> and she's a Latina. No! No! <laughs> yes so yeah and then and and strangely enough most of the filming took place in 2019 because then the pandemic hit so in retrospect you know that was it was so good that we got all that filming done because really the last 15 minutes is really (laughs) right now um
2: yeah it it it's I mean, there is such an incredible list of of archive at the end of the film I mean it, it you drew from so many sources it must have been a Herculean effort to wrangle all that and and then to actually you know make those very hard choices about what you know to include and and what not to include But I, I you yes. know
0: but oh let's Pity party, there's just too much fabulous archival to go through. What a burden, right? I mean, and, you know, Bill was less articulate and maybe, you no, know, but everything this, I mean, everything this guy says is like the Cassandra of the movement. Like everything he said. And I'd watch this archival going, <laughs> he's a mine. And he was filmed and photographed. There was just so much great. Wow. Yeah. How did
2: you get Randall Terry to sit for you? Well,
0: as you know, Randall Terry loves attention. But, you know, two things are really important because I've heard from people, why are you giving him time on the screen? You know what? What is Bill's point? Bill's point is stop ignoring, stop like that woman Lynn from now, which, which, you know, um, Flo Kennedy said they should have called now later because they were. <laughs> um, and, you know, sorry, I lost my train of thought because I'm thinking of now I'm in all this archival again. So, um, so Randall Randall. attention. So Randall, but also Randall was there. Randall was his nemesis. They fought. They, so why wouldn't I want Randall Terry? He was there to give a perspective that only he could because he shared all that time in the media. At that time, Randall was a face of the movement and Bill was on the other side. So they were constantly being pitted against each other in the media. And Randall was nice enough to be part of it. I mean, yes, he loves the attention, but I think he really said some really important things. And you know what? You don't ignore people like him. The people like him have infiltrated every... State legislature, local legislature. I mean, the plan, the 700 Club with Pat Robinson lays it out with Ralph Reed. This is what we're going to do. And they did it. And they did it really well. While everyone else on the left was just going, "Starry decisis, Starry decisis, oh, Starry Decis," Relying on when these others are going to lie to you that they're going to uphold it. So,
2: I mean, well, yeah, I mean, they, they, they were going to the school board. I mean, he, all the way through to the school boards, they, and they meant business. And, um, and it's interesting to hear him, you know, because he interviewed him before Dobbs. And it seemed as if mm-hmm. he felt a little bit defeated, and that was surprising, actually. No,
0: I was the one Sorry. who was defeated every time I interviewed Bill. Bill was like, "Shut up! What are you talking about? It's going to happen." No. He says, like, "Keep this tape. We're going to fight back." You know, he, and I would listen to him because everything Bill has ever said has always happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right? So I respect what he says, but I was the negative Nelly in these interviews all the time, and he was always the one fighting. He's the eternal optimist, and I don't understand why. Joni, do you know why? Bill, why are you the...
2: eternal? <laughs> Let's you- bring Bill, Bill to come the up. stage. Joni, Help bro. Help us out. Come on. come on. We'd love to talk with you and engage.
3: I'm going to make you fantastic thank you. I didn't know so many of you were here. My golly!
2: <laughs>
3: Thank you for joining us. You asked the question. What was the question? My
0: question was: Why are you such an eternal optimist after seeing, witnessing everything you've seen? And
3: well, if I can only share with you, bring your mic up. I, I. said before. "Oh, I'm nuts." Yeah, That's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's true. Uh, a lot. What motivates us? is how we grew up i grew up in the great depression and in world war ii my parents were immigrants my mother from germany my father from scotland and uh, my mother had a first child at 16 and he died and then i came along years later but there were six kids two of us who died and uh, we were very poor. Great Depression, I saw people selling apples from carts and my father would take off sometimes because he was an alcoholic. And a term that those of you who near my age won't know, a term called junking. Uh, when I finished school, let's say seven o'clock, uh, seven o'clock, three o'clock, I would go from garbage can to garbage can and I would kick the garbage can to make sure that no rats would jump at me as they often would previously. And I would take out the newspapers and cardboard boxes, and I would take them to a junkyard and sell them 75 cents for a 100 pounds. And that's what we use for food money because there's no welfare. And then World War II came, uh, came in, and uh my little sister, who was not little, she was bigger than me, was 12, started to cry in the middle of the night, in pain. And i run to my mother's room and say, mom, she's crying, she's in pain. Middle smart, she was German. She says, period. And uh, I didn't know what that meant. To make a long story short, one night she screamed so loud, neighbors came pounding on the door. And we found out she had appendicitis. And the appendicitis broke. And she died. And I remember, when in those days they had this, the, uh don't know what do you call those, the, the, the hearse drive by your house. And they wouldn't let me go to the, to the funeral, but I ran alongside, I I remember my tears falling on and I'm petting my tears into the car so she would see it and you know, feel it in some way. And I, I just couldn't believe she's gone forever. And my mother would say to me, Louise was God. And a couple of days later, after she was buried, I came home from school and my mother was in a chair singing Ave Maria. She was Catholic. And I heard her crying. And I ran to her and I said, Mom, what's wrong? Don't you know? She was knitting a blanket. Why are you knitting a blanket? Dumb cough. Sisters told her, your sister's dead, she's cold, I have to keep her warm. And that's why she knew her mother had a breakdown. And then it all went downhill from there. So that background made me realize that if I ever got out of that poverty, and if I ever could maybe go to college, maybe medical school, and I did go to college, I did get my degree, Did go to medical school, elected president of my medical school. Then my daughter was born in the middle of medical school. And there's no way I could keep up, but I had to still feed three children. And I left and uh, I got hired by a drug company called Emco. And while working for them, I heard a woman scream in Harlem Hospital, which I can't ever get out of my mind. And when I heard her scream, I ran into the car because I was doing research for the drug company in the hospital. And I heard that scream and I ran into the hallway and this woman was covered with blood, young woman with a coat hanger. And I caught her and she fell to the ground, She died. And I said, my God, what a loss, because of a law. So I went to Planned Parenthood. They, and I know it's hard for you to believe this, they were my bitter enemy out of nowhere. They would not give out abortions, support abortion, would not give out birth control to unmarried people. So I said, the heck with you all, I'll do it. And so that's what drove me to keep on fighting, keep on trying. And believe it or not, 60 years have gone by, and 91, I'm still fighting with my heart and soul. But the problem is, it's very hard. It's very hard to keep on because I don't have funds. Uh, I have the greatest wife you could ever dream of who stood by my side all these years. Uh, my little grandson is here and his mom. They're uh, the joys of my life. But the love I got from you today, mm-hmm. if I die tomorrow, this is my greatest treasure
2: ever. Mm, that's I true.
3: never have seen this kind of support. And I hope that this film gets the recognition it deserves because, Rebecca, I can never tell you the love and respect I hold for you. Mm. I was apprehensive about this because no one ever said these kind things about me or, or even told the truth, as you have. And I hope not only does this get all across the country, but you get the Academy Award because it's... <laughs> well, you, uh, uh, you, you told a film that was true. And my biggest worry about my life is when you see the crazy wars I've had, I never gave up because I had that one belief. Maybe I could help Louise come back in the sense that if somebody would have stepped in, my beloved sister would be here and you see a great person. But I don't have that. I miss her. I miss my original family. All, all my siblings are now dead except my sister. It has nothing to do with me. So you know, anyway, thank you.
2: It, it it occurs to me that this film, one of the things I'm that this film may you. well do is inspire men, engage men in the struggle. Because for far too long, men have sat on the sidelines, and, um, and we need those men as allies. And you knew that from very early on. I mean, there were very many men in the so-called right to life movement, in the anti-abortion movement, um, but not very many. I mean, you were singular in the, um, in the Respect for Women's Bodies movement. Well,
3: if I could share with you something that most of you do not know what I'm going to tell you. I went to the Right to Life convention, the only one in our movement, not one year, not two, for decades until my beloved wife had the courage to join me. But when I went there, I was absolutely shocked. There were usually two to 3,000 people. They were mostly women. Our side was saying how horrible men were, but they refused to see it was women who were fighting against women. I can't think of a name right now. The woman who defeated the ERA, who was a female lawyer. Uh, Phyllis, Waffler. Phyllis, Waffler. Phyllis Waffler. athlete, A woman, right. beat all these other women who were liberal. And I'm saying to you, God, can't we unite? take my hand? Let me take yours can't we unite as brother and sister as part of a family of love, of caring about people? That may sound corny to you, but my whole life has been consumed that you are my sister. And God darn it, if if I could help you not die like my sister died or suffer like my mother suffered, my mother was beaten, my alcoholic father beat me also, try to kill me as a Little boy. So uh, we have such a great chance now. This nation is in crisis. I beg you, please pay attention Mm -hmm. to the seriousness. This beloved Constitution is under jeopardy like never before. Mm -hmm. Please make sure not only you vote, but you take your friends to the election booth. Get people stand up to these bullies. Don't let them say they're pro-life. I'm pro-life. I say the lives of women, they're not pro-life. They're anti-women, anti-freedom, anti-choice. And tell them right to their face. Churches, which I have no quarrel. I know my wife says I talk too much. Okay. <laughs> uh, but but let, me, let me. Is that on record? <laughs> well, let me share this with you. We've got to recognize there are ways you can stand up to religious groups. I have no fight with the Catholic Church. I was no fight with it in anything. My first job, believe it or not, was in a temple up the street from my house. I used to tear squares of toilet paper cause on Fridays for a nickel. That was my whole night's pay. And kefilte fish that was left over from parties, which is why I hate kefilte fish, because that's all we ate was kefilte <laughs> fish. Uh, um, I love it. I know. <laughs> But anyway, okay. we've got to say to church, No, know, there's things you can do. Watch. Catholic Church, great religion, beautiful songs and so forth. But all I can say to you is, hmm, you ever buy something called Trappist Jams out of Spencer, Massachusetts? yeah. 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 Bill,
2: Bill, we're, we're, we're going to cut, cut you. I, we're going to cut in. I've okay. been wondering this since I saw the scene in the film of oh. you at the Right to Life convention. Okay. Did you go in disguise? Or no, were
3: you just Bill Barrett? I, I and you were, were right there, right down their face.
2: And, and did they attack you? I mean, how did that happen? Oh, they ob- did.
3: I told Joni today, that she didn't know the story. I, I'm there the first day. A guy comes in, oh, Bill, nice to see you. Slaps me on the back. Like, good to see you.
0: You have to put your mic up here.
3: Okay, so slaps me on the back, says, so good to see you. And I started to get dirty looks from people who were anti-me and i didn't know why the intensity was so strong a woman comes don't you know what you got on your back Says, "Kick me i'm bill baird <laughs> oh wow i didn't know if people even did that okay. so but you have to understand i warned this in the movement that i started to see most of the people were catholic then as the years evolved evangelicals started to come and i saw that and i warned people on my side you're an Lamas, Go away. You can't come to our meetings. We don't want to know you. When you said, saw that, that my force, I didn't force my way in at all. I was there. People had invited me in who knew me, women. But they were, the women leader said, we don't trust men. We don't want a man in there. You saw the guy from Star Trek? He gave a picture. Bill yeah. Shatner. He said, uh, uh, what can I do for you? I said, my kids love your show. He says, well, would they want a picture, autograph? I said, sure. And he writes, "The, to the for the kids of the bravest man I know, mm-hmm. Bill Baird. And, and he signed it, and he signed each one. And my kids loved it. But the point is that you've got to recognize Boycott Trappist Jams, Monks Bread, all, all these other companies that they own. They understand money, okay? We seem to say because they're holy. Well, they're holy, but they also are flawed.
2: What what was it like to hear Randall Terry praise you? I mean, he has some admiration. You couldn't be more apart politically, but and yet he had some admiration
3: for your. Well, let me share something you probably don't know. When I walked, and I had my newspapers, and bigger kids wanted to take my newspapers, I would put a little wooden chip, two inch chip, put on my shoulder. And in those days, we fought with honor. Guy knocks the chip off the fight begins. And I was a good fighter because that was survival. And when I would fight somebody, they would later on come over to me and say, good fight, man, lots of guts, even though you had a bloody nose and everything else. Well, when it came to the movement, I tried to make friends with the people at the Right to Life group. I wanted to see I wasn't stupid. I wasn't evil. I I just had a different view. And some of them learned to respect that. Later on, some of them even came to me as patients. So all I'm trying to say is that we've got to recognize you stand up to bullies. I never ran from a fight. Never did. Even though I sometimes got my butt kicked, I still stood up and I fought. The only one I could never fight back was my father or my mother because I learned respect. You don't strike back. But they were... I, 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 I got to tell you quick story. We were very poor. Once a month, we would get a chicken. My mother favored the older, because uh, my name was Bill Baird Jr. So that reminded my mother all the time of her husband, Bill Baird Sr. So she would give me a, a, a little, uh, everyone a piece of chicken, give me the gizzard, uh, which I hated. So after all this was said and done, to make a long story short, she turned around uh, and I stole a chicken out of an icebox we had. We couldn't afford a refrigerator. I put it in a coal stove, and I was gonna hatch a chicken at seven years old. And I was gonna have a chicken leg. I thought, Oh, we'll make a long story show on the system. That's a chicken, egg. What did you do? Mama wanted a chicken. You dumb cuff. She takes my hand, puts it on top of the stove, and holds it and burns Mm. me. I never forgot that. My mother was somewhat mean to me, to say the least. Uh, But I learned if I could come through that childhood, and if I could grow up to be a person, go through college and everything else, maybe I could come back and see you as my sister. And if I could help you, let me have the privilege of helping you. Well, it it
2: reminds me of the adage, you know, steel is forged by fire. And it's literally, I mean, that's certainly you're a man of steel and those experiences must have well, made I'm, you I, even more determined and more, you know,
3: and... Well, I'm floored. I mean, you see it now. I talk too much.
2: Uh, <laughs> no. You know, I, Rebecca, tell us about your plans for this film. How are you going to be using it? There, there are ballot referendums in Ohio. Are, is it, Can we get this film out Um you know, I know that's coming up, but where, wh- how are you going to be using this film in the coming year?
0: Well, I don't know. We What we do know is that it's going to be at Doc NYC on November 10th and 12th. So tell your friends, come to the, see it at Doc NYC. But after that, I mean, there are many ways this film can be used. But, you know, an outreach plan has yet to materialize. But there's certainly Jada, there's her generation, there's the National History Day, education through, um, I mean this is, this is so timely and the elections are next year. So I could see this film really once again being used. um, But I keep bringing it back to the right of privacy because it's just a bigger issue. You know, people get lost in abortion and birth control, you know, get lost in that fight, but it's, it's more dangerous the, the autocracy has risen. I mean, what have we just watched with Congress? They are batshit crazy, right? And mm. not crazy good. They're crazy bad, mm. and they are going to lead us. I mean, I'm telling you, they'll they they will. De- they're devouring themselves yep. and taking us with them. Yep. So. Every time I look at this, I I know it's the abortion birth control. You know, that's what we get into. But I just I have to keep saying this is the right to privacy. It's a minority usurping the majority. I mean, even what did, did they find the guy in Maine yet who shot all those people? They just showed a Fox poll. 80% 80% consistently, 80% of Fox viewers of national rights, they all want these gun laws. They want assault weapons off the streets. And guess what? This minority is still pushing this lie about the Second Amendment. So it's bigger. I'm telling you, this is way bigger. And, what, and Bill's fight was larger. It was, it was on, yes, a stage in reproductive rights, but it, he, that's, the, that's his genius, his eye was on a bigger issue, the right of the individual.
3: Can, can I just say something because I'm, I am a fighter. I'm not a politician. There's so much you can do, really. Uh, I saw from the very beginning, I looked around and said, "Where's this fight coming from? I go to Right to Life convention. They held masses, services. And what got them, I I sang in the church choir. I was fairly good. And so what I would do, they were shocked, I got up there and I sang my heart out to all these Christian songs, holy, holy, holy. And they looked at me and said, Jesus Christ, this guy is like one of us, but he's got the wrong head. We can convert him, they thought, okay? So things you gotta do, recognize who are the foes, who are your allies. Methodist Church supports abortion. Where the heck are they? Reformed Jews support abortion. Where are they? Where are the more liberal churches? Why aren't they standing up say to the bishops? Hold it, man! You're not going to get away with calling us murderers, calling us killers. Uh, in Marlboro, Massachusetts, uh, uh, the church there held a, a mass for my soul, and then they had a black flag with a big sign: "Flag flies in protest." A Bill Baird Peddler of Death. You know what I did? I went up there, stood outside, picketed, and then after the Mass was over, I went in and I asked for the collection because it was ma- money for my soul. So I failed.
2: <laughs> I don't think they gave it to you, did they?
3: No, they didn't give it. Well, listen, I, unless you think I'm only with one issue, there's a big, big temple up in Massachusetts that gave me the Man of the Year Award, supposedly. And then they called me up after announcing it to the press. Six months later, they said, Bill Baird, we got complaints from the Catholic Church that you are the devil. <laughs> and we don't. they're going to boycott our board of directors' businesses. We're taking away the wood. I said, what? So, you know what? You think you're getting away with that? That night, I got a piece of wood. I hand-carved coward of the year award
2: <laughs> and you know
3: what i did friday night services i walked up walked into the temple walked right up to the, Said, here we're in front of all the people there and they knew what i was there for i said you're nothing but cowards i said for you to, and these are people who normally will be on my side i have no patience for somebody who runs away from a fight, I'm a fighter. Even though I know I could lose or be beaten, I still would fight my heart out. And all I would say to you, is go boycott, find out what some of the businesses of the church are—monks' bread, Trappist jam.
2: He doesn't slow down. I love that. I mean, look, I I think. Okay. You know, when Merrick Garland's nomination was pushed aside, you know, we people should have been in the streets.
3: Yes, they should have been. I,
2: and you could have led that, but. But that didn't happen, and and um, some I... and you weren't at all surprised by by Roe when when Bill was telling you, but by Dobbs, I'm sorry, when Roe was overturned, when Bill was telling you that's going to happen, did you did you believe that was going to happen, Rebecca? Oh yeah,
0: I mean I've I, prior to making the Bill Baird film, I did a film called Atomic Homefront, and it was about nuclear waste in St. Louis. So everything the non-scientific community was saying how they were being killed, destroyed by this toxic poison, but yet the professionals, the government who knew science and said, oh no, you're wrong. I am I lived through three, four years of that. And I said, okay, everything that the community is saying is the truth and everything the government and everything the experts are telling them is false. So I had that like, background just before this so when i saw and read documentation about what bill said i was like this is just another case of someone who prophesized what was exactly going to happen and i had no doubt that it was going to happen but but why bill based his information not on some dream he went to the right to life conventions they said they were going to do everything
2: They laid the plans out. There was not a secret. Um, we have time for a couple questions. Um, gentlemen in the very far back. Nicely said. But, but your point is, I mean, what does it
0: come down to? Relationships, trust, intergenerational trust, care, you know, people who lose their parents or lose their children. There's also... Children around you, there's parents around you that may not be biological, but they are there in your life as well in the same kind of way. And if we can recognize that. So what you see is the point. It's these two people, he with all of his wisdom, Jada with her emerging into her own womanhood and her own, you know, she just gets to college when all of us were like, yay, we get to have sex and screw around, right? Uh, she gets to college. she's got a pandemic she's got and she's got her state now shutting her down. So she's coming into her womanhood, and here's a man who's helped so many women at that time in their lives. so it, it's your point is very well taken <laughs>
2: The logistical difficulties in shooting in the Baird household. I think there's some insider knowledge here.
0: You're traumatizing <laughs> me. <laughs> they have four names. <laughs> Peaky was great. Oh, yeah. But who was the fuzzy Pomeranian? Miss <laughs> Cookie. K- K- Miss Cookie. K-
3: <laughs> she's, she's saying she's a great name.
0: Miss <laughs> Cookie. She was the logistical nightmare many times. <laughs>
2: well, right. look, they're all I, could just I,
3: nightmare. Could I just say one thing? Absolutely. Go uh, ahead, I don't use idle words. When I say you are my sister and I'm your brother, uh, I really mean that. And I'm going to ask you to help me. Uh, I have reached a dilemma, and I don't know the answer to it. I think this is, a for me, a great film that... I, if maybe if you went to movie houses and said to people, I saw this great film, uh, that maybe they'll buy it or how, how it works, I don't know. But all I'm trying to say is that my wife, who I treasure, and I'm honored to wake up every morning and say, This is my wife. <laughs> she loves me, somebody who really is happy. She wrote a book that is such a great book because, I mean, great in a sense, research that took her 14 years. I cannot get it published. We've taken it to several... What's the book about uh, Joni? Jo- you want to tell us? Joni wrote the right. book.
4: Yeah, I, I wrote a book called The Prophet of Williams Avenue. Um, yes. I don't know why he's bringing this up right now. It's so embarrassing. but The woman uh, who took on Betty for day. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's my highlight of my life, actually. <laughs> I don't like... I, I'm just like, don't like people who lie about it, anybody. But anyway... Um, Yes, I wrote a book called The Prophet of Williams Avenue, and and apparently uh, the problem is I'm married to my subject, so... (laughs) Nobody will publish it because of that. So I think I'll get a co-author. It's it's fine. Well maybe it, it this, will get published. Maybe, and maybe with this the film. film being out, yes. it will it will so nobody has to go out and try to publish character.
2: my book, okay? <laughs> I think we'll have a conversation in afterwards. But look, I just want to thank you so much, Rebecca, for for making this film, for sharing this film. I wish you extraordinary luck um, out there getting it distributed and getting it seen by the masses. Bill, you're extraordinary thank you she's not (laughs) going to tell me that (laughs) and Joni,
4: yes i tell my (laughs) all well i I only wrote a book about him but that's okay it's not enough
2: (laughs) thank you very very much
1: thanks for listening to another dga q a the director's cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts and please share subscribe rate and review we'd love to hear your feedback and you can help fellow film buffs find the show Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America.